0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. Luke chapter 22. We're going to be looking there, and then in a few moments, we're going to be turning over to John 13, so if you want to get your finger in John 13, uh, we'll be turning there here in just a few moments. This morning, obviously, we've mentioned it numerous times, we're observing the Lord's Supper, but before we look at these couple passages of Scripture and before we observe communion, I, I want to ask a question. I mean, oftentimes when we come and we observe communion, we talk about What Christ did, right? I mean, we talk about the fact that his body was broken, that his blood was shed, that he went to the cross, he suffered, he died. But I want us this morning to look at it from a little different perspective not so much the what, but the why. Why did Christ go to the cross? Why did Christ suffer? Why did Christ allow himself to endure torture? Why did he allow himself to be nailed to a cross? Why did he do what he did? Why did he die? And when we ask that question, I think we all know the answer. In fact, we just heard it sung about, right? The reason He did what He did was out of a motivation of love. Christ went to the cross, He suffered and He died because He loves you and because He loves me. That's the reason that song the choir sang this morning was perfect tie into to the message. That's exactly what we are talking about. We all know the reason. Christ did what he did on the cross because he loved us. We know the verses. Perhaps you've heard of John 3:16. One of the most familiar verses. For God so loved the world that He sent. He gave His one and only Son, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated His love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And we could go on and on throughout Scripture, and what you find is that connected with the cross, connected with what Jesus did on the cross, was the motivation of love. My goal this morning is when we dismiss here in a little bit that you will leave not just with an understanding of what Christ did, but you will leave with a greater understanding of why He did it. Luke chapter 22 is where we begin this morning. This passage presents what sometimes is called Passover meal. Sometimes it's called the first Lord's Supper. Sometimes it is called the last supper, but it's the last time on earth that Jesus, along with his disciples, observed this Passover meal, which becomes the blueprint, so to speak, for what we call communion or the Lord's table. I want to begin reading in verse number seven and just walk down through this passage and kind of help us get a picture of what's taking place. So if you have your Bibles, Luke 22. I'm going to start start reading in verse 7. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover meal for us so we can eat it. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. Listen, he said to them. When you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, Where is the guest room where I can eat Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large, furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have Fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this, share it among yourselves, for I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant established by by my blood. It is shed for you. We'll pause there in our reading. You see the similarity in the language they're used at this last Passover meal, this last supper, and the language that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 11, do this in remembrance of me. He takes the cup, he takes the bread, he breaks it. Do this in remembrance of me. This is all setting the stage for really what we're doing this morning. It all began at this last supper, this last Passover observance by Jesus and his disciples. We understand the connection between the observance of Passover and the Lord's Supper. Christ's body was broken. It was given. His blood was shed for us. Now, this is where I want you to turn over with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I think most of you are aware that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record many times the same events but from different perspectives. So what we read in Luke, we can also read about in John, but there may be some details included in John's Gospel that Luke did not include, and that's exactly what we find here in John chapter 13. This is still the Last Supper or the Passover meal that Jesus is enjoying with His disciples in the upper room, but there's an added story included in John's Gospel. That Luke doesn't include, and it's pretty interesting. And through this chapter, starting in verse one here, in just a moment, all the way down, we're gonna see several truths about the reality of Christ's love. Okay, your bulletin on the back there's an outline. Let me encourage you to fill in the blanks as we go through this. I want us to understand the love of Christ, it's not a theory. It's not just something that we sing about in a song. It is a reality that we need to understand and we need to embrace. So what is it that we can learn about the love of Christ from John chapter 13? If you're taking notes, write down this first truth. I want you to notice the extent of Christ's love. The extent of Christ's love. Notice verse 1, John 13 verse 1. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come. His hour had come to depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Here's what's interesting about this verse. A couple truths from this that I want you to notice. Notice that it says that Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world. Jesus knew what was about to happen. In fact, in Luke chapter 22, it says that he knew that he was about to go and to suffer. Understand that Jesus understood what was about to take place. He knew that he was about to go to the cross. He knew that he was going to be tortured. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. You read that later in John chapter 13. He knew what was going to happen to them. He knew he was going to be nailed to a cross. He knew that he was going to die. He knew that he was going to have his father turn his back on him. Jesus knew what was taking place. It was no surprise. But what is interesting about this is in the midst of knowing all that is taking place, he is carrying this heavy burden. In fact, this burden of carrying the sin of humanity on his shoulders, this burden of going to the cross, this burden of being betrayed, this burden of being denied, this burden of being tortured, this burden knowing you are about to die, leads him to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And as he is there praying... His disciples have fallen asleep, and he is in anguish over this. And he begs God, let this cup pass from me. And it says there's something very interesting, that he sweat as though it were what? Great drops of blood. The anguish on him was immense. The pressure of what is taking place was beating him down, so to speak. It was heavy on his heart, heavy on his mind, to the point where he says, God, if there is any other way, God, please allow some other way And he sweat as though it were great drops of blood. And what would it be like to know what Jesus knew here? But here's what I find interesting in this. In the midst of knowing everything that is about to take place, he never becomes distracted from his love for humanity. I mean, in the midst of knowing he's about to die, and in the midst of knowing he is about to suffer, and in the midst of knowing that he is going to be carrying the sin of humanity on his shoulders, he Continues to say, notice what verse 1 says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This phrase that he loved them to the end literally means that Jesus loved them as much as he could possibly love them. He loved them to the fullest extent possible. There's no more love that he could have demonstrated to his followers. This is pretty powerful. This is this heavy weight that Jesus was carrying, in the midst of knowing what is about to happen, he's never distracted from his love for humanity. This this is the extent of Christ's love. Now this love is most directly demonstrated to his disciples. I want you to picture this with me. Jesus is sitting there, and a little bit later in John 13, Luke 22, it says that he knew that one of those sitting around the table was going to betray him. He knew that Peter the next day would deny him three times. He knew that his disciples would cower in fear and not have faith and trust in all that he had taught them. He knew the sin in all of their hearts, but in the midst of that, he looks at them and says, my love for you is not dependent upon your performance for me. And that is true for us. See, we should be thankful this morning when we look at the love of Christ, when we partake of this in a few moments, when we look at the love of Christ, we should be eternally thankful that God's love for you and God's love for me is not dependent upon our performance for Him. I mean, what would happen if God had waited until we were sinless, until we had cleaned our life up to demonstrate His love to us? Long wait. He would have never come. In fact, Romans 5, 8, a verse that I reference often, I referenced earlier already, says that God proves or demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So picture this with me, all right? Jesus looks at his disciple. He sees the sin. He sees the betrayal. He sees the denial. He sees the wickedness in their heart, the fear in their hearts, the doubt in their hearts. He says, you know what? I cannot love you any more than I do right now. And I want you to understand this morning that he looks at you and he sees the sin in your heart and he sees the betrayal in your heart and he sees the denial in my heart and he sees the wickedness in us and he looks at us this morning and says, I cannot love you any more than I do right now. That is the extent of the love of Christ. When we come to the table, we should be reminded God cannot love us any more than he does right now. He loves us as fully and as completely as is possible that's good news, isn't it? How many of us deserve God's love? How many of us can earn God's love? In fact, the Bible says that that we love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. Remember that this morning. Building on that, number two, I want us to notice the rejection of Christ's love. Notice verse two in our text. Now, by the time of supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Simon Iscariot's son to betray him. As great as the previous point is about the extent of God's love and the fact that God could not love us any more than he does right now, we have to understand that Christ's love can be rejected. In fact, it is possible this morning for you to sit here and sing the songs about Christ and know the truth about Christ, but yet look at the love of Christ and reject that love. See, there's a tremendous contrast between the love of Christ and the hatred of Judas. I often wondered, how is it possible for Judas to walk with Christ all these years, to see the miracles of Christ, to see the dead raised and the blind healed, to see Lives change to hear the teachings of Christ and see the life of Christ and experience the love of Christ and listen to the prayers of Christ and have all this exposure to Christ, but then in that exact same exposure, stand up and reject the love of Christ. Listen, this is a crucial truth. Do not miss this. How much you know about Christ does not guarantee that you have a relationship with him. It is possible to know all the truths, to know all the facts, to see the life-changing power that a relationship with Christ can bring, to know it, to sing about it, to go to church and supposedly worship the King of Kings. But in the exact same moment that you're doing all of these other things, you can personally, in your heart, reject the love of Christ. And I have no doubt that there are churches across the country where people are sitting there and they know the truth and they sing about the truth. And they have verses memorized that talk about the love of God, and like John three sixteen. They know it all. They've seen lives transformed by the power of Christ. But in that moment, even though they've seen all of that and they know all of that in their hearts, they have rejected it. I mean, if there is anyone who should have been loyal and committed and given his life to Christ, it should have been Judas. But in his heart, he rejected it. So let me ask you a crucial, crucial question this morning. See, I'm not worried about how much you know. I'm not worried about what songs you can quote. I'm not worried about how many testimonies you've heard of Christ changing lives. Here's the question. Have you received the love of Christ or have you rejected it? In your heart this morning, I don't care how long you've been in church, have you received the love of Christ or have you rejected the love of Christ? See, it is possible for you this morning to reject it. Judas saw the love of Christ, just like you have seen the love of Christ. Judas knew the teachings of Christ, just like you know the teachings of Christ. Judas knew what what was important to Christ, just like you know what's important to Christ. Judas saw the life-changing power of Christ, just like many of you have seen the life-changing power of Christ. Judas rejected the love of Christ. What have you done with the love of Christ? What has your neighbor done with the love of Christ? What have the kids who come to our Hoops program done with the love of Christ? That is the question, is it not? What have you done with the love of Christ? See, if you know all the songs and you know all the truth, but in your heart you've rejected the love of Christ, you have no relationship with God. You have no hope of eternal life. The key is what have you done with the love of Christ that has been so wonderfully demonstrated through His death and sacrifice on the cross? You either receive it or you reject it. I pray that everyone here this morning, there's been a time in your life where you have received the love of Christ, where you've surrendered your life to Him. And here's the good news. If you're here this morning and you've been living a life where you've actively rejected the love of Christ, the good news is this morning, by God's grace, you have another opportunity to accept it. And my prayer is that you will understand the extent of Christ's love. And that you will no longer reject it, but that this morning you will accept it. And that Christ will change your heart. He will change your life. The extent of Christ's love is wonderful. The fact that Christ's love can be rejected should cause us to be concerned for those around us. Number three, I want you to notice the demonstration of Christ's love the demonstration of Christ's love. Starting in verse 3 down through verse 11, this is where the, the, the part of the story that Luke does not include, but, and you're familiar with it, but let me read it. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. He had come from God, and he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his robe, took a towel, tied it around himself, Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't understand now, but afterward you will. We continue, and Peter and Jesus have this conversation, but I want you to picture this demonstration of love, this demonstration of humility, of Christ kneeling down before his sinful disciples, the one who is going to betray him, the one who is going to deny him, the ones who are going to cower in fear and humbly and lovingly wash their feet. What if Jesus walked in the back door this morning and came up to you and knelt down and loosened up your shoe and take your, took your shoe and socks off and began washing your feet? We'd be, like, be like Peter, right? Jesus, what are you doing? Not gonna wash my feet. But what I want you to picture here is that this is an example of love. This is an example, a demonstration of the love of Christ. It is a demonstration of the humility of Christ. And it's not a demonstration that should be ignored. This is a demonstration. This, this, This demonstrates the love of Christ was not a feeling. The love of Christ was not just an emotion. This was something that was put into practice. There was an action behind it. But this demonstration of Christ's love also has a purpose. Let me give you the fourth truth this morning. I want you to see the response to Christ's love. The response to Christ's love. Picking up in verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and that is well said, for I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Now, I don't think what Jesus is saying here is that we need to come in on Sunday mornings and all start washing each other's feet. I thought there would be a couple of amens there or something. All right, I don't think that's the picture, but here's what I do think the truth is here. Jesus Think about the extent of his love that drove him to the cross, that led him to the cross where he suffered and willingly shed his blood. This sacrifice of Christ was personally demonstrated to those in the life of Christ. He went to his disciples, the sinners that they were, and demonstrated love and demonstrated humility and washed their feet. What Jesus is saying to them and to us this morning is, follow my example. I am demonstrating love, you demonstrate love. I am demonstrating humility, you demonstrate humility. Follow the example of Christ, the example of demonstrating love to those in our life. God has placed people in your life who do not understand the extent of Christ's love. God has placed people in your life, maybe where you live, maybe where you work, That maybe they know a little bit about Christ or they know a little bit of the Bible, but they don't really understand the extent of Christ's love. The way that they will learn about the reality of Christ's love and the extent of Christ's love is through your example. That's why Jesus says in this verse, I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done. Follow the example of Christ. Demonstrate the love of Christ. Demonstrate the humility of Christ. And this really reflects the reality of our relationship with God 1 John chapter 4 verse 8 there's a powerful verse that says the person who does not demonstrate love to others does not know God because God is love those of us who have a genuine relationship with God should be the very first to demonstrate the love of God because it is so powerfully affected and changed our hearts and changed our lives in just a moment we're going to have a time of prayer and here's what I want to challenge you to do. Two things. One, if you're a believer in Christ this morning, you need to pause and you need to think about this table and think about the body of Christ and think about the, the blood of Christ that he shed. You need to pause and you need to think about that and you say, God, thank you for the extent of your love. Thank you that while I was dead and my trespasses and sins, you looked down on me and loved me and sent Christ who went to the cross for me. That is the extent of the love of Christ. Thank God for his love. Thank Christ for his love. But in the exact same moment, and out of the understanding of the extent of the love of Christ and out of an understanding of how much God loves you, commit this morning to demonstrate that love to others. Commit this morning to demonstrate that humility to other people. Those people who do not understand the extent of Christ's love, the best way they're going to learn it's from you. Share the love of Christ with others. The extent of Christ's love is amazing. The fact that Christ's love can be rejected should cause us to look at our hearts, analyze our hearts, and be concerned for those around us. Understand how Christ demonstrated his love and why he demonstrated his love so that we could follow his example. The question this morning is, will you? Will you? Will you stand with me this morning? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.